she's a beacon. Like she's constantly sending a tracking ping. So it's like, yeah, the safest place you can be is as far away from Kaisa as you can be. But she knows that she's fighting an uphill battle because one, she looks like a monster. Two, there's already (laughs) (laughs) on paper. Welcome to Casuals of Ruterra, episode 92. I'm your host, Ryan, here with the other host, Hedge. No, not here with the other host. (laughs) The other host is leaving. Hedge is in a mood at the moment. I apologize. All right, fine. I'll record. It is going to complain about it, though. Yeah, I'll record, but I'm going to complain about it the whole time. Housekeeping. (laughs) You guys like commercials? You can listen to us everywhere. You can send us an email at podcastcore.gmail.com. You can visit us at podcastcore.com for all of our info and then follow us on whatever platform you prefer or all the platforms because that helps. And then leave a like, comment, short review, you know, the classic shenanigans. Easiest way how we've gotten this far is word of mouth, though. So tell a friend to learn to fight the fear of the unknown by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Yes. And man, let's talk about some characters that don't have any fear. <clears throat> and uh, so we're continuing with our stories following Kaisa. Uh, so if uh, you if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to our bio episode for Kaisa, uh, there's a bio episode for Kaisa. And <laughs> we would love for you to go listen to it. You also, you know, might not be so lost if we make any kind of references <laughs> to that episode. Uh but like today we're going to go over the story the girl who came back. Yes. And, exactly. Yeah. And, um and the well, real question again, you know, let's mm-hmm. immediately make an inside joke to our last episode uh is cuz if we look at the Kaisa's appearance <laughs> and the discussions around her appearance, we know that she's a girl who came back, but did she throw it back? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. So our story begins with Kaisa talking to a little girl. <laughs> and this is before she's encountering a void fight, one of the many she has. And she kind of, you know, understands now at this point in her crime fighting career uh, how foolish her, vis- her vis- village was for thinking the void was some kind of god or entity to be satiated by offering sacrifices and tributes, which, you know, that's kind of a common response when you have these nomadic tribes that are so isolated from civilization. The way they deal with these astronomical events is different from, you know, shoot it with a nuke. And Kaisa kind of understands now that the void doesn't care about any of that. It only wants to destroy. It only wants to devour. And that's it. And it almost relies on that to survive, right? It feeds on that negative vibe, if you will. Uh, And she tells this little girl she's with, she's like, listen, if you want to kill it and destroy it, you must starve it. So so this is like a very entertaining little bit, like a lot of small nuances if you read in between the lines happening here, because one, it's mentioned that when Kaisa says this, that she can feel the second skin kind of crawling and reacting more to 
her and her statements than to their surrounding environment. Um, so it, it's very interesting that, you know, she's, you know, survived this long and that her takeaway from it isn't necessarily, you know, to go in guns blazing, but it's to starve the void and that the void actually reacts to that. So it's like, oh, like Kaisa, she's good at what she does. Like we, we get that just off of this. But also since her skin is reacting to this, you, you can kind of imagine that it's like, you know, like these armor plates and stuff. It, it's all shifting around her, forming into whatever shape it needs to take to defend Kaisa as well as terminate any threats. And this little girl doesn't care. Like, yeah. like it's, it's Kaisa is even remarking that it's like, oh, there's no fear in this girl's eyes. She's actually like getting closer. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. T talk to me. Tell me what to do. As if like they you know, this is my neighbor. We don't talk that much, but I've seen her every day of my life. Uh, so there, there's a lot like just happening just in this little bit of passage right here. Exactly. And you, you mentioned that, and I'm going to come back to this concept of a book, which I think everyone should read by Richard Caudry called Sandman Slim. And I'll tell you about the connection towards the end of this episode. So stick around because it's going to be good. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll stick around for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> but a reference we already made to the previous episode that Hatch told you you should have listened to was Spawn, right? She's essentially Spawn um, from the comic books. That's how – so the demons in hell fear her because she's a problem, even though she wasn't supposed to be. Um, but at this moment, we get another action scene, right? And she instinctively notices the approaching construct slash creatures that are the void – and her second skin activates, covering her body, and she leaps into action. Uh, she fires some energy missiles, like in the game. She moves just like that. Um, that's how the description is given. Uh, destroys, you know, many of these skittering creatures, and it fills the air with this reek of uh, this smell, which is referenced in a couple of the cards in Legends of Runeterra as well, about the smell of the void creatures when they die. And this little girl is kind of awestruck, like not just pure fear, but, you know, surprise. Uh, and she asks... Uh, Kaisa, you know, does that second skin actually hurt you? And she replies, you know, sometimes it does because as Hetch mentioned, it's technically a part of like almost a hive mind concept, which we would get into other areas of the story uh, in, later down the road. And there's a ton of media that really covers like the the whole hive mind aspect, uh, whether it be with like, you know, alien invaders or like monstrous uh, insect uh, colonies. Um, as far as like more recent events, even though it wasn't really that popular, uh, the like the Apple show invasion really does a good job of like, you know, kind of spelling out the idea of the hive mind. Um, and but for me. Uh, another thing not too popular, but I love it. Warhammer, uh, and the uh, for in Warhammer it's the Tyranids, and they all work off the hive mind. Uh, and so when you have that, as far as if you're trying to like ex coexist with it, the idea is that you can't. Like so, the, it, it's very strange that Kaisa is still able to like have a bit of control over the second skin because. Yeah. Like we even saw like in that previous passage mentioned that the skin's kind of reacting to things that she's doing and she's not that comfortable with it as far as like, you know, physical comfort. Uh, so, you know, it, it's very cool as far as getting to see like this internal battle since the story is written in first person. We're getting all this from Kaisa's perspective. 
Yeah, and for you uh, forgot, Forgotten Realms folks, uh, Illithids, there's your hive mind link, right? Uh, yeah, like like we said, so many good connections to yeah. the hive mind. Yeah. So we get this little girl. We find out a little bit more about her as she's interacting with Kaisa. This is after she's blown up all these monsters. Uh, the little girl's name is Lily, and she's 10, which is what we know is the age Kaisa life changed right and she fancies herself a void hunter which is a concept we'll talk more about in the future uh but all she has is this little arrow right this little arrow she's carrying around and in her hands it looks like a spear right she has the confidence as if it is a spear and kaisa is trying to tell her that her family and her village are kind of making the same mistakes that her village made right by offering up these sacrifices to these creatures because it's drawing them closer to their village is making them a target even though they think it's doing something else so she's urging this little girl, you know, first of all, leave from me because they're going to try to come for me. The void wants me. And also tell the truth. Like, go tell your village people what's going on and stop making yourself targets for these pretty simple creatures that just want to devour. Uh, and this knowledge kind of helps Kaisa to survive for so long um, because she intends to find more people like this little girl to spread the message, right? It's not just about her actions as being able to protect, but teaching the people the best way to protect themselves as much as possible. Yeah, and and we know that this is going to be like a more difficult fight that Kaisa is going to have to face. And uh, it is kind of mentioned at the end of her bio where Kaisa is aware that she is not wholly human anymore. And, um, and as far as like with her survival instincts and having the second skin, she's definitely fully aware that of the idea of the hive mind and that since she is now got the physical aspects to it, she's a beacon. Like she's constantly sending a tracking ping. So it's like, yeah, the safest place you can be is as far away from Kaisa as you can be. But she knows that she's fighting an uphill battle because one, she looks like a monster. Two, there's she? already... <laughs> on paper <laughs> um and so uh, two and and two she's also fighting against tradition uh and we know that the as far as sharima at this point is deeply ingrained in tradition so not really a story that coincides with this a lot but the like our episode following talia there's a lot of like you know Talia, we get to see a lot of her, you know, trying to follow in the footsteps of tradition of her nomadic tribe and then, you know, discovering her powers. And it's like, oh, well, I can't do this anymore. I need to go and find my own way out in this world now. And she ends up leaving because she can't follow this tradition that's been deep seated for generations and generations. And that's what Kaisa's up against. Hey, sacrifices don't work. Yeah. In fact, you're just baiting a hook and you don't want the fish. You don't want the fish on the hook. <laughs> so you got to you got to stop it. Uh, and it, it's one thing to say it. And it's another thing to actually get people to implement that after they've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Well said. Um, and this little girl mentions, you know, I don't want to run away. I want to hang out. But her people are technically hunters themselves, or they consider themselves void hunters, so they're coming to them. And Kaisa knows that they're heading in their direction, and instinctively, she covers her face with the helmet you've seen her wear before, uh, which is just a part of her second skin. And as they get closer, her girl, like the girl's father is you know, yelling, kind of pleading with her to get away from that thing, right? Get away from that thing. 
And then the common trope comes to mind in Kaisa's head that's, you know, beware the girl who came back a monster is kind of the status that she has among the normal folk and how they see her. They see her as part of the problem, not part of the solution, um, because she's essentially just doing things in the shadow. Very similar to Batman, but Batman is technically vain. Listen, we won't go down that route. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Kaisa knows what these people think of her, right? And she used to be just like Lily when she was her age, which is why, and during this interaction, which is very interesting, because we talked about, you know, how did Kaisa age mentally? And she does well with talking to Lily because in Lily, she sees herself as that 10-year-old where she lost pretty much the rest of her human life, quote unquote. And I'm sure that if the story was taking a different turn, we would get to see that in social situations, Kaisa is much more of a 10-year-old yeah. than she is a, like a 20-something-year-old. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure we would get to see that. But, you know, like any shy 10-year-old with a group of people coming over saying, get away from that monster, she's just going to be like, nope. Not dealing with that. like yeah. it, it, So we're not really going to get to have the proof that I'm right, but I like to believe I'm right because I do like being right. <laughs> so it's officially canon now, and you're all welcome. <laughs> so the father starts to draw back his bow, and he's trembling, and Kaisa can feel it because she's battle-hardened. Uh, and he's pleading for his daughter, please just run over to me, right? Uh, join us so we can protect you from that thing. And she's reluctant, but Kaisa tells her, you know, just go ahead. I get it, right? I know what's going on. But when you get over there, tell them to be ready uh, because the void is coming. And this takes us to kind of the final part here where, you know, Kaisa knows, has some reflection that what the vo the void took from her, right? It took away for that innocence. It took away her future as this child growing up normally. Uh, but it doesn't make her bitter because of the kindness she finds in kids like Lily that she comes across, and you know other people like her uh, that she sees time from time to time. So this is kind of what gives her hope. This is what drives her now. And you know she says here at the end, the first time I escaped the abyss, I did it for myself. But maybe one day it will be for them. And that's where we're left uh, off. And it's it's on that note that like really kind of ties a lot more into like the spawn comparison that you've been making, which is like, yeah, I Kaisa is fully aware that she can never, ever have any kind of semblance of the life that she imagined that she would have at that point. Yeah. Uh, but because of her being able to survive and everything that she's learned. She is showing an immense amount of growth and being aware that like, okay, well, I will never have that, but I can fight so that someone like Lily can have that. Yep. Uh, and, the you know, if more people were like that, the world would just be a better place. And, um, <laughs> so it, it's I like Kaisa, like this story really kind of, you know, gives you a, a lot more insight into Kaisa and Kaisa is a, is a really is a really good character like that's uh, you know nothing like too different nothing too out of the box but a very well-written character and a very like a, a character that has developed into someone that you could very happily call you know a heroine of a story yeah and so it's very exciting that we're getting you know more void content because this, this is a character that i would want to follow what happens with more void content 
So. Well said as always. So this takes us to the end of the episode where, you know, I wanted to go back to the reference of Sandman Slim, a book, once again, I think you should check out, where it deals around a character. There's a bit of spoilers here. It's within the first book, and it's pretty much the concept. of It's a spoiler of the theme uh, because there's plenty of Sandman Slim, Slim books. Um, but it's a character who practices dark magic at a young age um, in his teens. Shit goes wrong. He gets dragged to hell as a human instead of a spirit. And in hell, he is essentially put in a gauntlet or an arena to battle other lesser demons and spirits that are in hell. Uh, and what starts to happen is he starts winning these fights uh, through certain magic he's learned. He's not a special character. He's not the everyman character. Uh, but what's happening is because he's a human in hell in a situation he shouldn't be in, his skin starts to become uh its own shield, whereas he gets hurt more, it's healing in hell. So when it heals, it heals back stronger. And he finds a way out of hell to get the demons who have also escaped and bring them back. And he becomes essentially this boogeyman spawn, once again, the same kind of concept, uh, that demons in hell fear because he's the human who came here and shouldn't have left. Uh, and that's that's where I'll leave that off. But He's not as likable as Kaisa. <laughs> he definitely he doesn't have that characteristic, but he does have the semblance of uh, a lot of the story deals with his human interactions on the surface where he's out of place because he's been down in hell so long. He's missed his opportunity to grow up properly and socialize properly. So it makes him very quippy and bitter and these other things that he wouldn't have otherwise uh regarding his situation. So check it out. Sam and Slim, if you like Kaisa's story, if you like, you know, Spawn stuff, that's definitely another good one. And Richard Codry does a really good job of writing them as well. Yeah, I, I've never read Sam and Slim, but that does sound like something that'd be uh, like straight up my alley. So, because I, 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 lo I love the concept of like having a realm that yeah. is just absolutely terrifying. Uh, and then the in that realm, there's a boogeyman. Yeah, like Chicago. Uh, and, like, like Chicago. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, now, for me, for me, like my favorite story like that is a Warhammer story. And yeah. if but it follows um uh, it follows the original Slayer. Uh so, so the Slayers in the Age of Sigmar, uh they take the oath of the Slayer basically to atone for crimes that they've committed mm. or like losing their honor. Um, and it's following dwarves. All right. So these dwarves give up all their earthly possessions and they just keep one weapon on hand, or maybe like they'll dual wield, but they'll only have their weapon, no armor or anything. Just dong out. They dong out, and the oath of the slayer is that you go and die a glorious death in combat to mm -hmm. atone for your sin. And the original slayer, uh, he didn't die. He just oh. kept killing everything. <laughs> and since he kept killing everything, since he kept killing any, everything, he was like, well, screw this. I got to find something strong enough to kill me. So then he find like goes wandering up to the north to find the gates to the uh, to the chaos wastes. Yeah, and he travels into the realm of chaos, which in Warhammer the realms of chaos are where demons are created and yeah. where the source of all magic is. Uh, so he goes into the world of chaos and is just still killing everything. <laughs> and it, so, he overleveled. And, so in the age of, in the age of Sigmar, the, like there's a like in those stories, there's like a, a book like following him, mm -hmm. and he goes, uh, I, why, I I can't believe it, I'm blanking on his name, but I remember his sidekick's name, which is a bard named Felix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So like Felix is the one that like goes and tells his story. Uh, Warhammer yeah. fans, if there, anyone's a Warhammer fan listening to this, is gonna hate me. <laughs> but, yeah. So he goes, he like he goes into the chaos wastes and he just starts killing demons all over the place. And there's one sect of demons that just loves him because that's like all they do is like try to spill blood for their god. So blood, blood for the blood god, skulls yeah. for the skull throne. So they are constantly fighting him. And then all the other demon courts are like, no, fuck this guy. <laughs> He's killing everybody. <laughs> so they end up or opening a portal and kicking him back to the mortal realm because they can't kill him. <laughs> and... So, like, the books following him is that he goes into the Chaos Wastes, and then he becomes a legend, and the, he's the first Slayer. So everybody takes the oath of the Slayer yeah, um, and uh, follow in his footsteps to atone for their sins. And then, like, 2,000 years after this tradition started, he's back. <laughs> and it's OG. because, you know, he's he, he's off in a, like, magical land uh, killing demons and the demons are like screw this guy and kick him out but 2,000 years have passed in his world so then he's like where the hell am I? <laughs> I have no memory of this place. And it's like, yeah, it's like that, that, like that is like the birth of like the strongest hero. Of the it's like, yo, Judas, you'll never, it. you'll never wonder who's back. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who? <laughs> But, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely have to give Sam Sam and Slim a read because I love stories like that. It's yeah. just like, oh yeah, demons, they're, they're so powerful. They, they have magics you can never comprehend. But Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's a theme that I do enjoy as well. Uh, but, you know, this was a quick one. So we're happy we're able to give you a little bit of side banter as well. Uh, but as always, we'll have more Void content in the future. Uh, we're still in our bouncing around phase to catch up on some things. Uh, but thanks for listening, as always. And we'll be back soon with the next episode. Yeah, take care, everybody.